0: That was definitely me too. When I was doing kickboxing, trying yeah. to lose weight with PCOS. And it was just making me have more anxiety and gain more weight.
1: Yeah, because your pointless. cortisol was probably through the roof. Yeah, yeah, my anxiety was so high. And your exercise is supposed to reduce anxiety, but too much at the wrong time. It's yeah. going to mess you up. And people really don't understand that.
2: Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight. Took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally So I became a dietitian and my sisters feel the best they've ever felt Take a step in my direction if you wanna move them wrong, and take control of yourself Join Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today, we have Dr. Becky Campbell. She is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine who was initially introduced to functional medicine as a patient. She struggled with many of the issues her patients struggle with today, and she has made it her mission to help patients all around the world with her virtual practice. Dr. Becky Campbell is the founder of DrBeckyCampbell.com, the host of the Health Babes podcast and author of several books, including the 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan. She specializes in histamine intolerance, thyroid disease, and autoimmune disease and hopes to help others regain their life as a functional medicine helped her regain hers. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, doctor.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
2: We're very excited to have you as well. And based on the books you have written and your background, do you have a specialty when it comes to uh, patients with thyroid issues?
1: Um, You know, I had, I have Hashimoto's. um, So I tend to attract a lot of Hashimoto's patients, um, you know, and then histamine intolerance has also been something that I... I started talking about thyroid first, you know, and working with mostly thyroid, but then I really wanted people to know about histamine intolerance because it wasn't being talked about. Um, and it's really affecting a lot of people. So those are kind of the two things I specialize in, but you know, with functional medicine, you work with everything. I have a lot of PCOS patients and it all kind of ties together somehow. So
0: I can imagine do a lot of your PCOS patients have histamine intolerance.
1: They do. Yeah. A lot of them do either have histamine intolerance or thyroid disease or both. So, you know, they can kind of have just, you know, hormone imbalance leads to so many different right. issues, you know, and it, it kind of, it leads you down so many different roads of, I guess, diagnosis that you can get, but yeah, a lot of them have a whole slew of <laughs> things going on that are being driven by their hormone, hormone imbalance.
0: Yeah. yeah. Before we deep dive into that, do you want to tell us a little bit about your health journey?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I can say, you know, I've never felt great um, as a kid. I know I was a little different than other kids. Like I would get migraine headaches and I would pass out in the heat, which was odd, but it wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. You know, no one really, we didn't really think anything of it. I mean, I lived a pretty normal life. And then when I was in college, and I was, you know, under a lot of stress because of the hours of medical school, um, I started to get, you know, hair like really bad hair loss. Um, I gained a lot of weight, which I had always been thin. I mean, never really had to worry about that. Um, and I was extremely fatigued and really bad brain fog, and just knew something was off. So I went to you know, all different types of doctors, which all kind of never had a solution. I mean, everyone was like, your, your blood works fine. So you're fine. And then I found a a place that was a, it wasn't really called functional medicine back then. It was just like holistic medicine. Um, And they, they did a really thorough thyroid panel and they found out that I had hypothyroidism because I used different lab ranges, you know, the lab ranges that used are so wide and they're ridiculous. And so this Mm -hmm. is why it goes undiagnosed for so many people. And then they checked my gut health, they checked my hormones, they checked my cortisol, they changed my diet and I felt a lot better. I mean, a lot better. I lost weight almost immediately. I, um, you know, the brain fog went away. Most of my symptoms went away. There were some lingering symptoms Um, that I didn't know at the time were histamine intolerance and mast cell activation syndrome, but overall I still felt a lot better because a lot of the underlying things that cause thyroid disease also cause histamine issues. So I was kind of working on my histamine unknowingly, you know? So, um, but then I was, then I, you know, started noticing certain foods made me have migraines or weird, just weird symptoms, like very strong fatigue, after I ate, and that's when I kind of learned about histamine intolerance and mast cell activation syndrome, and then went through that whole journey. And so that's kind of why, you know, I this is what I talk about all the time because people don't know about it, and and yeah. people are suffering. So
0: people are suffering.
2: Yeah, and it's very unsettling how you mentioned like conventional medicine. The lab ranges can be so wide where you can be misdiagnosed for years. But I'm, I'm so yeah. glad you you specified the functional ranges where it can really. Really making more the specific ranges help more people in finding what's wrong.
0: Yeah, can you yeah. elaborate on that? I feel like our audience is maybe new to learning about um, functional ranges.
1: Yeah. So, and I can actually give you guys a, a download for everybody. It's an amazing awesome. PDF. I worked super hard on because. I wanted people to understand the thyroid. You know, people are like, okay, they're like, here's your thyroid labs. And there's usually two markers on there and they don't even know what they mean. Mm -hmm. So what I'll give your audience, it's, it breaks down every single thing you need to ask your doctor to test you for and what each range should be. And then what each thing means, like what is TSH? What is T3? What is So it really breaks everything down. So I'll, you know, kind of give you a short version of that. So we have, you know, thyroid stimulating hormones. So basically when our thyroid is not producing enough thyroid hormone, our pituitary gland sends out the stimulating hormone to our thyroid and it says, Hey, you need to make more or the opposite for hyperthyroid is if you're making too much, it says you need to make less. So when you're looking at your labs and you look at TSH, the number, if it's too high means your body's trying to tell your thyroid make more thyroid hormone, and if it's too low, it's saying stop making so much thyroid hormone. Too high is hypothyroidism, too low is hyperthyroidism. So then our body predominantly makes T4, our thyroid does. And that T4 needs to be turned into T3 to be used in the body. So we really wanna look at T3. And for some reason, most doctors don't even test T3. Um, but it's the most usable form of thyroid hormone, especially free t3, which means it's unbound to a protein and it's usable in the body. I like to see that number between a three and a four um you know, that's kind of optimal the the I don't even know what the conventional lab range is. I have it in the the, the handout that I'll give you guys, but it's it's very, very, very wide. Mm-hmm. and the the tsh is ridiculously wide. I mean, it's like, I think it goes up to 4.5 before they even consider, you know, having an, a thyroid issue. And I don't like to see it over a two or a 2.5. So that's kind of the the rundown of what happens with your thyroid. And mm-hmm. so really, I like to see TSH between, you know, like a one and a two, pushing a 2.5, um, T4, free, because, you know, free is really the, the, the most important part, um, between a one and a two and T3, um, between a three and a four, and then there's also a reverse T3. So we have two pathways with T3. So if T3 is, it, we call T3 free the gas, and T I mean reverse T3 the brakes. So if you're if you really need to slow down and you're running your body ragged and you need to get tired in order to do that, you're going to go down the reverse T3 pathway. So then your T, reverse T3 is going to be high. I don't like to see it over around a twelve. Um, but some people have, you know, nineteen, twenty, you know, and then you can tell and they're like, they're always fatigued. And I'm like, that's because your body is telling you to rest. Yeah. Those are kind of the markers that people don't really look at. And then there's the antibodies. So we have um, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, which is the most common diagnosis tool for Hashimoto's syndrome. And then there's um, thyroglobulin antibodies, too. So I look at both. And a lot of people will have one or the other or both. Um, Most people with Hashimoto's will have just the the TPO and maybe both of those antibodies. But then there's also about 20% of people who don't have either of those antibodies. I'm one of those people. So my Hashimoto's went undetected for a long time. And it wasn't until I got an ultrasound on my thyroid that we could see it. And you can see it's like lumpy, bumpy. That's what it looks like. It's like peaks and valleys. So... Sometimes you can't tell on blood work, but but most of the time you can. So those are, you know, in in the list I give you guys, you'll see what you should be asking your doctor. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And for anyone interested, we'll include that downloadable PDF in the episode description. So feel free to check that out to, to access that.
0: Are you trying to conceive? When you're in the process of baby making, you don't want to take a prenatal that's designed for a woman who's pregnant. They get expensive and have ingredients you don't need quite yet. Theranatal Core is a prenatal focused on women who are trying to conceive. It contains the active form of folic acid, folate, as well as 2,000 IUs of vitamin D. Also, it doesn't have any expensive ingredients that you don't need until you're pregnant. Theralogix's prenatal, Theranatal Core, is especially for women with PCOS who are in the process of baby making. Check the link in the description for our 15% off code.
2: Alright babe, let's take a moment to correct our posture, take a deep breath, and have some Pure Spectrum CBD.
0: Sure! Hey sisters, CBD can help with acne, inflammation, anxiety, sleep, and so many other PCOS symptoms. I personally take it throughout the day to help keep my stress hormones nice and low. Not to mention, I sleep like a baby every night and I don't wake up fatigued
2: at all. Now open your mouth please so I can give you a serving. Ah. Uh, now hold it for sixty seconds. Head over to purespectrumcbd.com and use the code the sisterhood one word for ten percent off.
0: Can I stop now?
2: Nope. You got thirty more seconds. And speaking of the thyroid, could you uh, touch on your book, the Thirty Day Thyroid Reset Plan? Yeah. You know, since many women with PCOS do struggle with the thyroid, it's like uh, one of the four types that we talk about.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I I'm getting the about book. Thyroid, so oh. I'm gonna grab my book. But so this is the first book I So this is my 30 Day Thyroid Reset Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gorgeous,
0: I love it.
1: Thanks. And what I tried to do was really dig in to what, um, not only what it, what is the thyroid, what does the thyroid do, and why is it so important, but what causes thyroid disease? Like, what are these underlying factors? You know, and there's a lot of them, and then. And they're in functional medicine, they're the underlying causes of a lot of different things. So it, uh, there's a lot of overlap. And then I, I you know, I wanted to give a plan for people to know like how do you do you heal your thyroid with food? Like, you know, really, it's it's important taking out anti or taking out inflammatory foods. Yeah. You know, that's really important. Gluten is extremely important if you have a thyroid issue, because your body mistakes your thyroid gland for the gluten and your body attacks your thyroid when you eat gluten a lot of the time. Yeah. And people don't really understand how serious that is, but it it actually really matters. So I kind of just go through a whole food plan. I give, you know, I talk about makeup. I mean, you know, you guys, I'm sure talk about estrogen dominance a lot, having a PCOS um, you know, specialty and makeup is, and, and, and our household cleaning products and all that stuff plays such a huge role in what happens with our hormones. And, yeah. you know, the more estrogen you have, the more um, present your thyroid is to your immune system. So your body actually attacks your thyroid more, the more estrogen that you have. So, you know, there's just a lot. And then with estrogen dominance, there's PCOS with a lot of people there's, and then it drives histamine with a lot of people and histamine and the thyroid drive each other. So there's just so much overlap. So with both of my books, I really tried to explain what everything is, explain in detail what you should be eating for each thing. Um, And I try to focus on what you should eat, not, you know, make you feel like you're not able to eat a bunch of stuff. And then just kind of tell you all the other natural things you could do to, to help your body, you know, reducing stress mm-hmm. is really important. It's so important with everything, including PCOS, you know, if you're walking around stressed all the time, you're, you're definitely not going to have a good hormone balance. So, you know, I kind of dig into all that and, in, in, in all of my
2: books. And do you have like recommendations on exercise to deal with the stress and different factors with, with the thyroid?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that our body is really good at telling us what it likes with exercise. So an example is I used to go to Orange Theory when I was not completely well, and I would have to sit in my car for 30 minutes before I could even drive away. <laughs> so obviously my body was I'm like- recovered. recover. <laughs> this isn't, right, yeah. So your body, you should feel good after you exercise. I mean, maybe you push yourself and you're like, "Woo!" you know, you feel a little winded or something, but you shouldn't be dizzy and having to sit down and not able to drive or whatever. (laughs) So our body is very, very good at, at telling us what it likes. And our body changes that through time. So sometimes you can do more aggressive exercise. It depends on where you are with everything. And sometimes you have to be really gentle. You have to do yoga and Pilates and walking and swimming, whatever it is. And that's okay. But I always believe you should be moving. I don't think that you should ever stop moving. I just think you need to listen to your body to find out what the right type of movement is for you at the time.
2: Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. agree. Absolutely agree. Especially when a lot of women with PCOS, like they're really told to work out super hard and like just focus on burning calories and trying to eat less and all this. They Ugh. do the workouts and they wake up the next day feeling like very fatigued, like, uh, you know, uh, headaches, Just basically not able to get out of the bed, and it's just like all these issues. Like it's creating the cycle.
1: And your cortisol goes higher when you work out, right? And Mm -hmm. so with PCOS, one of the biggest issues is weight gain, right? And so cortisol makes you gain weight. Mm -hmm. And so if you're pushing your cortisol too high, and you're doing what your trainer, who's completely uneducated in this, is telling you to do, because they think you're going to burn more fat. You're actually going to mess up your hormones even more, and you're going to gain more weight. And that actually happened to me when I was going through when I first before, you know, before I realized I had a thyroid issue. I was working out six days a week, two hours a day, and you know running six and a half miles a day, and, and I was gaining weight. And I'm like, why on earth am I gaining weight? And it was because my cortisol was too high, and I was pushing my cortisol higher by, by training so hard. Yeah. Oh my god! And
2: research has shown that high levels of cortisol can lead to weight gain, especially in the in the midsection. So the yes. research is showing that, and it makes sense too when you think about it. You know, if the body is under a lot of stress, if it thinks that there's a lot of, you know, uh, in, uh stressful environmental factors, it's gonna want to retain weight because it's trying to survive. It's like a surviving mechanism. Why would it exactly. want to lose weight in that in that situation? So
0: yeah, that was definitely me too when I was doing kickboxing, trying yeah. to lose weight with PCOS. And it was just making me have more anxiety and gain more weight.
1: Yeah. Because your pointless. cortisol was probably through the roof. Yeah, yeah. My anxiety was so high and your exercise is supposed to reduce anxiety, but too much at the wrong time. It's yeah. going to mess you up. It's, and people I really don't understand that
0: people also get addicted to the exercise so yeah. for example they get addicted to that adrenaline rush of you know running or kickboxing and yeah. they mm-hmm. don't believe that like they don't feel good because yeah. afterwards you don't feel good maybe during and, yeah and we're also rush.
2: we're also all led to believe like you have to sweat yeah. you have to like yeah. be out of breath your heart has to be pounding in order to actually lose weight and exercise to your best which is not really the case yeah. like you can still lift light weights in a controlled fashion you can mm-hmm. still do like a steady jog instead of sprinting there's all these like factors we can change and yeah it's the thing is it's like thinking more about long-term results instead of short-term results that's where like i think um a lot of like you know trainers especially like online they'll tell you you do this you do that you'll lose weight in two weeks but that's like really not a, a you know no. a long-term goal it's more like these short-term things that make it harder for people to actually succeed yeah
1: yeah Well, it's like, the show the biggest loser. I mean, I don't, I I don't think any of the people on that show have maintained their weight loss because they were under such intense diet and exercise protocols at such a short amount of time. It completely ruined their bodies. Yeah. And they've, they've, I've watched, you know, documentaries on the people on that show. And they've, that's what they've all said. And they, they have, they can't lose weight anymore. So, and that's the, that's the problem It's hard you know, there is no cookie cutter approach and everyone's different. So some people do do really well with high intensity, but a lot of people don't. And, you know, I'm one of those people who I get bored if I'm doing a slow workout, like yoga (laughs) is torture to me. So, Uh you know, but I, and I love to run because it's like therapy for me mentally, but I have to know when I can run and when I can't. And I have to know when I have to do yoga versus running, I'm more of like a weightlifting and running type person than yoga. Um, But I know that if I'm, you know, in a certain place, like let's say I'm under an enormous amount of stress, maybe like a bunch of supersets isn't the best idea. Maybe I do resting in between sets and I do lighter weight and then that's okay. And I feel good after. So that's why I love our, the built-in mechanism in our body that tells us this is not the right exercise for you at the time at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
2: Absolutely. Well, I loved how we touched on some, you know, uh, tips to help with anyone with the hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, but Mm -hmm. we also want to talk about histamine intolerance. We receive a lot of DMs about it. So can we just talk about that and how it can relate to women with PCOS? And to be honest, Personally, like I'm not really up to date on the histamine tolerance. I always ask Talene, what is that specifically? (laughs) So yeah, if you could give us like a explanation of it, that'd be great. So let
1: me explain histamine first, because people think histamine is a bad thing, just like they think cortisol is and estrogen. And, you know, it's just too much as something is a bad thing. So histamine is a part of our, you know, it's a built-in mechanism with our immune system, where if we have a pathogen, you know, it's, it dilates our blood vessels, it causes inflammation and allows our white blood cells to come in and attack that pathogen. So it's a good thing. And then it also is involved in digestion It helps deliver messages from between our brain and our body. So we want histamine, but mm-hmm. what happens is a lot of people can't break down histamine. So they're producing this histamine, the histamine comes in to do its job. And then instead of breaking down with these enzymes that are supposed to break it down, it's not being broken down. So then it's getting into all the receptors, the histamine receptor sites which are all over the body. And then they're getting all various symptoms. I mean, from anxiety to vertigo, to migraines, to, you know, eczema, hives, anxiety, fatigue, you name it. I mean, it, it literally, um, you know, what, what am I, um, uh, not, not PCOS, but, um, what am I trying to say with the, uh, Oh, I'm drawing. Oh, I see interstitial cystitis even is, is a big thing I see with it. Um, So when it comes to PCOS, you know, specifically, so typically histamine, you know, the more histamine we produce, the more estrogen we release, right. And the more estrogen we release, usually the less progesterone we release. Mm -hmm. And then the less progesterone we release, the, we decrease the enzyme it's called DAO. It's um, the enzyme that breaks down histamine. So it's this vicious cycle of excess estrogen, lowering progesterone, decreasing that enzyme that breaks down histamine, causing us to have more histamine, which is causing us to have more estrogen and over and over and over. Yeah. So with people with PCOS, estrogen dominance can tend to be an issue and they tend to have lower progesterone. And so that is where the two can tie together. Wow. Yeah. That was great.
0: That's a great explanation. (laughs) So what are some of the things that we can do to reduce histamine?
1: So number one is you want to reduce the histamine from our food because we have histamine in our body and then we have foods that are high in histamine. So this is not something that should be um, a permanent lifestyle change for everybody. But in order to first attempt to lower histamine, you want to get the high histamine foods out. So those are foods like fermented foods um, because they actually produce, they have a bacteria that produces histamine in them. So mm-hmm. that's you know going to give you a lot of histamine aged foods, like aged meats, aged cheeses, b- believe it or not, citrus fruits. And for some people they don't bother them, but some like a lemon will, but a lime won't um, strawberries, bananas, chocolate, coffee can be an issue. Um, even green tea can be an issue. Um, you know, there, I give a whole list. I literally, in my book, I have oh, like, yeah. a yes, no, maybe list.
0: I love so, that.
1: Yeah. So Perfect. I tell you, you know, start with like reduce the no foods, see how you do. I give you different phases and then I'm like, okay, if you're still not feeling well, then let's start reducing the maybe foods. Cause I try to keep you eating as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but while you're doing that, you really need to do other things. You know, liver support is is very important in my opinion, yeah. um, especially for hormone balance, because the the job of one of the very important jobs of the liver is to flush out the excess, you know, at stuff like estrogen. And if we our liver is is you know overwhelmed and not functioning very well, and it's not supported, it's not going to do that. So you're going to keep driving that histamine issue. Plus, people with histamine intolerance tend to not detox well. So they tend to need extra liver support. So there's natural ways you can do it. You can do epsom salt baths, oil packs, infrared saunas, or you can take supplements. You know, it just depends on what you prefer. Um, the gut is huge with histamine intolerance. You know, gut infections cause more histamine in the body. So opportunistic bacteria, that's the bacteria that should not be there actually produces histamine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you are able to, you know, in the book, I was very um, conscious of people that can work with a doctor and can't. And I realized, you know, I do have a virtual practice. I work with people all over the world, but I realized that not everybody can do it because it's not paid for by insurance, most of it. So I tried to give everyone as many tools as I possibly could that they could do on their own. But if you can, you should get gut testing on your gut. If you can get testing on your gut and you can heal your gut. Oh my gosh. I mean, the things that yeah. change in your life are enormous yeah. so that I do. I love the Dutch test. Um, I use that to look at cortisol and to look at the sex hormones. And then, you know, we work on different things to balance that out. So that's really how you handle histamine intolerance. So, you know, once you kind of have, like, we have this thing called the histamine bucket, which you can use for different scenarios, inflammation, whatever, But so with the histamine bucket, there's, you know, gut infections, nutrient deficiencies, thyroid issues, stress, all these things that fill up our bucket. So then when we go to put a food in that's high in histamine, we can't handle it. So then we react. So what we want to do is work on that bucket. We want to empty out the bucket. And then you should be able to start eating higher histamine foods again, because many high histamine foods are really have a lot of nutrition, you know, nutritional value. Um, But you can't, you know, for for a while, sometimes you can't eat them. And sometimes you can't ever eat them. It really just depends on the person because everyone really handles this differently. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And you mentioned the gut microbiome as well as, you know, avoiding fermented foods and like aged foods, because I I would think that the fermented foods would have some, you know, helpful probiotics in it. So would you, so I guess that's not the case. It also has other bacteria. So would you recommend to like focus only on certain probiotics if you do have a histamine tolerance? Right.
1: Yeah. So Okay. So there's different types of probiotics and there's, there's histamine degrading bacteria. Mm -hmm. So those are like the bifidobacterium, um, infantis, longum, um, the lactobacillus plantarum, saccharomyces boulardii, uh, lactobacillus raminose, which is a really, really good one to help degrade histamine. Those are the ones that you want to focus on. But then there's ones that are like the, mostly the ones that are in kind of like yogurts and fermented foods. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of the other lactobacillus like lactobacillus vulcaris, um rootery, um, casein. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those exactly right. <laughs> but those are the strains that, and, and I have, you know, posts on this if people want more information, but those are the strains that tend to make you actually produce more bacteria. So those are, you know, that's why you have to even be very careful with taking probiotics. You can't just take any probiotic when you have histamine intolerance. There's mm-hmm. um Probiota Histamine X from the company Seeking Health. I really like that one. It's actually just filled with the histamine degrading bacteria. So that's what I tend to my patients on, that or the Mega Spore. I like Mega Spore also for for patients with histamine
2: issues. Okay.
0: okay. Man,
2: I love I love when there is like specific, yes. you know, recommendations and yeah. stuff cuz I know people are just want to like go get that one. Yeah, instead of exactly. Like, yeah, that's great.
0: I want to go back for a second uh, to when you were talking about liver detox mm-hmm. and some of the things we can do, because I love what you said, Epsom salt baths. Yeah, so these are great actionable next steps for sisters with PCOS, yeah. because
1: yeah.
0: many of us need help with our liver health because of right. And making us have fatty liver or whatever it may be. The liver, like you said, needs to function properly and detox our hormones. So, what are some of the things, um, if you want to repeat yourself, that help with sure. liver health?
1: So, I would say if you're gonna do um, dry brushing is really good, um, and that's you know a specific brush you just brush your skin with. And the reason is is because our body uses our skin to detox when our liver is is congested. So we want to be able to get get it out. So the toxins that are trying to come out, we want to get out. That's why we want to also make sure we're going to the bathroom. So we want to get be peeing, pooping, you know, get and have our liver pushing things out properly. So dry brushing is great. You can do that and then get into an Epsom salt bath. You know, I would start with a half of a cup of Epsom salt, because some people can be very sensitive. You can go up to about three cups, but never start at three cups. You could be really, feel really awful after. Oh. Um, so you start at about a half a cup and you can slowly work your way up to as much as you know you want around three cups. Um, but you don't want to feel really like you're getting out of the bath and you're just like, ugh, then that's kind of a strong de- detox reaction. Castor I definitely oil.
0: feel that way after a salt bath. Yeah,
1: so you're, you are might I had be no eating idea. too much. Yeah. yeah, so I would lower them out. And then you can work up to it. And then castor oil packs, um, there's a, a kits you can get online um, on now. Amazon. You know, they have Link like the, the wool and they have everything you need. And what I have people do is I have them um, put the castor oil on the wool flannel, put that right over their liver, which is the upper right side of your abdomen, and then put down like a towel so that you don't get the, or the uh, castor oil on your heating pad. And then put a heating pad on. So that helps kind of penetrate the castor oil there. So that's one thing you can do. And when I was really, really sick with mold toxicity, that was the only thing I could tolerate. That Mm -hmm. was the first thing I could ever tolerate. So that, those are really good gentle detox, you know, people who are really sensitive and they don't do well with supplements and they don't do well with, you know, other stuff. These are the gentle detox you want to do. Infrared saunas are good, but if you have any skin issues and this can go for the Epsom salt baths too, you know, as far as heat goes, heat does make you produce more histamine. You know, let's say you have bad eczema, I would not recommend an infrared sauna for you because Mm -hmm. it's going to bring more and more histamine to the skin and it's going to exacerbate your eczema. Mm -hmm. So like the same with the Epsom salt bath, you're going to want to do like a lukewarm bath, not like a hot, you know. Mm Those are like the, you know, the most common natural ways I have a supplement, it's called liver love, I am obsessed with this supplement, I put every one of my patients on it, I take it myself, it has N-acetylcysteine and milk thistle in it, but it also has some of the healing mushrooms in it, and we're finding these mushrooms are like amazing And, um, so it's a great supplement. Like even when I tell my patients, you can get office, they're like, I don't want to because it helps it, it helps their skin. It helps them, them go to the bathroom better. I mean, it helps them sleep. It helps them not be sensitive to things. They can eat more food. So whatever path you choose is up to you. I personally do the supplement because I don't feel like sitting in a (laughs) bed. I'm busy, you know, but but anyway, there, there's, there's ways, there's ways to do it. That, that doesn't, that is not expensive at all.
2: That's amazing. amazing. I love those actionable steps. And uh, I think that was our last question. And we don't want to, uh, we don't want you to be late. I know you have to pick your daughter up. So
1: three boys. I wish oh, I had three a boys. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry. I thought for,
2: for some reason, I thought I heard daughter, but three boys, that's the complete opposite.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's my mom. Too. My mom had three boys and she's always like, if I had that one daughter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great. Thank you so much for all this insightful info. If people want to reach you, if people want to work with you virtually as well as get access to your podcast and stuff. Could you let them know where they can find you?
1: Yeah. So drbeckycampbell.com is my website. I have tons of free stuff on there articles. I mean, about everything thyroid, everything histamine and other things. Um, I have my guides on there. I have my histamine guide. I have my thyroid guide on there. There you can schedule a consultation on there. That's you know, that's kind of where everything lands. And then my podcast is called the Health Babes Podcast. And I'm gonna have you guys on there tomorrow. Yes. And um, and then I'm mostly active on Instagram.
2: So just at Dr. Becky Campbell.
0: Awesome.
2: Awesome. We'll put all that in the episode description. And everyone stay tuned for our episode as well on the healthy babes podcast. Thank you so much, Doctor.
1: Thank you so much, guys